there is nothing more frustrating than because we are a training firm we don't expect the people who come in the front door to know everything or very much of anything at all really what we want is a commitment from you to ask questions and try to learn and that's it i think you're gonna enjoy today's episode Welcome to Graduate Compass, the podcast for graduates who haven't quite figured out what their next step is going to be. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Graduate Compass. My name is Keen O'Sullivan, and I'm really excited about today's episode. We have Rachel O'Sullivan, who we're going to be speaking to in just a moment. And no, she is absolutely no relation. There is so much in this interview. I really hope you'll be able to get as much out of it as I did, because there was a few things I learned. Uh, Rachel is not only someone who found her own career path, but is someone who actually now actively works with students and graduates as part of her role uh, in the company. But I'll let her explain that in much more detail in just a moment. I began the interview by asking her to explain her career path, where she started, where she ended up and how she got there. Okay, so that's going to be really funny um, as a start and end point, and it'll only make sense when we get to the middle. It might not even make sense then, but we'll we'll go for it. So um, as a starting point, I went to do a degree in law in University College Cork in 2007 oh I'm old um and that was fine and I completed the three years and um now I uh work in PricewaterhouseCoopers I work in assurance asset and wealth management and my position title is digital accelerator I do love some of the names that come up in this podcast uh, for job titles, but that has to be one of my favorite ones. Okay, so let's talk about your motivation to go and study law. Um, What was going through your head? Why did you decide to take that particular path to begin with? So I'm the kind of person who likes to make decisions early and then just not reevaluate them, which I would not recommend as a career strategy. (laughs) So I decided when I was 11 or 12 that I wanted to do law and I did it with this very idealized view of what law was and what I would actually be doing day to day which is not at all what you would be doing day to day I was like I'm gonna help people I'm gonna solve problems I'm gonna you know everything's gonna be great I'm gonna be like putting bad guys away and you know getting standing up for the good guy and all that kind of stuff and that is not what law is um law is really boring if that is what you want to go into it to do you're going to be very disappointed um so I, I decided when I was 11 or 12 that law was the thing I was going to do. And not once during all of secondary school did I reevaluate that decision. So I came out the other end of secondary school, went straight into my law degree and um, initially quite enjoyed it because I really like reading. So there was a lot of case law. And if you're like me, you like the gossip behind the cases. So if you read the transcripts, you actually get quite a good amount of that, which is nice. Um but it's not something that I wanted to do ultimately, uh, which led to me finishing my degree and going, well, what am I going to do now? Because I don't want to do law and I've never thought about what other career I would like to pursue. OK, so it sounds like you started off really enjoying the course and then as things went along, less so and less so. So how did you then approach kind of the idea that this wasn't the path for you and how did you manage that kind of transition into finding a new path? 
the way that I knew it wasn't working was I was putting in a lot of effort and a lot of time and hours, but I wasn't getting the results that I wanted. I've always had, I've always been, you know, decent at exams. I've always gotten good marks and whatever. And leaving cert, I did well. The first year of college, I did well. And then from there, it just kind of steadily went downhill. And I got to the end of the degree and I was like, I came out with a 2-2 and I was like, a 2-2 is fine. But it's not what I wanted. And the fact that I had tried so hard and still couldn't achieve better than a 2-2 in this degree, I was like, I'm throwing myself at this. I'm trying so, so hard. Clearly, there's something here that just isn't working. And if I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life, do I want to be struggling this much at it? Or do I want to find something that I'm naturally suited to? So um, my next step was I went to a career guidance person who's actually my cousin's wife. So she put me through a full day nearly of all of these aptitude tests and personality tests and all of those great things and um, sat me down at the end of it and went, you should never have done law. (laughs) So I was like, oh, thank God, validation. Because for so long I'd been saying, I'd been like, there'd been that kind of insecurity and that fear in the back of my head that it was me and not the course. But it was that the two of us just didn't fit. Like it, it's like trying to jam a puzzle piece into a place where it just doesn't go because you're just sick of it and you just want to finish the puzzle. Like that's not how it works. So that really helped me to come up with the strategy of what to do next. And that's how I ended up applying or well, I actually went back first and did a one year higher diploma, which is like a conversion course. They also call it the PDA or the diploma in general accounting speak. And that was a one year conversion course that I was able to do because I had done my law degree. Um, It was a step on qualification kind of didn't need to be related to law, but it gave me some um, exemptions for my accounting exams. And it also gave me the chance to learn a bit more about accounting, try that out, see if I liked it. And I did really like it. And that year, my exam results shot all the way back up to a first. So I was like, this, this is the thing I should be doing. Clearly, this is the thing that I should be doing, not law. So six weeks into that, yeah, six weeks into the actual HDIP itself. So September was the start and then kind of mid-October were all of the, what they call the milk rounds, which are your general applications to the accounting firms because they start their recruitment process in October for the following October. So a full year in advance. And I went into that and I did interviews with, I think, three or four of the big four and got a couple of offers and based my decision on where I was going to go solely on the feel of the interview because the the culture was really important to me you can do accounting anywhere like you could any job you can do anywhere the important thing about where you're going to work is the people so I went with the nicest feel interview there was one interviewer that kept asking me all of this random stuff that I had no interest in and like I and it just kept throwing me for a loop and I feel like that was what he was trying to do he was trying to trip me up in the interview which is really cruel because you're you're dealing with graduates who are new and fresh into the professional working world and this is a big interview for them they're really nervous already so why would you be a mean person I'm not going to swear um (laughs) but like this particular interviewer I put down on my CV that I did or that I play the piano And one of the questions he asked me, like very early in the interview, was, I see you play piano. What do you think of President Higgins' plan for the arts in Ireland? I was like, how am I supposed to answer that? I don't know what the plan is. 
why would you blindside somebody with something like that when you could just softball them a question? The, the point of the interview, in my from my point of view, should be to figure out if they are a fit with your culture. And if that is the culture of that place, I don't want to work there. Whereas PwC, I really enjoyed the interview. I had some lovely interviewers um, and I was like, this is the kind of place where I want to work. And I still work there eight years later, so it must have worked. So there's a couple of really interesting things in, in kind of what you just said. But before we move on to... PwC and your experience in interviews and 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 that sort of thing. I want to kind of rewind a little bit because it does sound like and correct me if I'm wrong that it wasn't until you got your final grade that you realized ah, actually I do need to make a change. So do you think if you had got a better grade you would have stuck it out? Yeah, I think I would probably have struggled on for another 6 months or 8 months and then it would have finally broken me because I'm a bit stubborn that way. Yeah, I've I've always been pretty stubborn and I think there is that kind of that unwillingness to give up you're like nope this is the career I've chosen this is the degree I've chosen I will make it work and I can't stress enough how bad of an idea that is <laughs> having lived through it. Rachel I appreciate that law and accounting are two completely different subjects but I'm just wondering do you have any insight into why you excelled at one while you found the other one so difficult? The the career guidance person I went to put it in a really good way and it's kind of stuck with me all the way along was um I'm a very black and white person I like things to be true or false and I like there to be a logical path that you can work down to an answer you might think that the law is like that the law is not like that the answer to any legal question you will ever have is it depends and I don't like that I can't work in that situation it's very frustrating for me but that's not what that's not what we're taught to think about the legal profession. That's not what we're taught to think about law. It's if you're right, you will get this outcome. If you're wrong, you will get that outcome. If you commit a crime, you will go to jail. If you follow all the rules, you'll have a grand life. We all know logically when you think about it that that is not the way that things happen. But that is the way that the legal profession is sold to people. So that's why I think I was like banging my head against a brick wall. I was like, I'm logical. Law is logical. This must work. And it doesn't work that way. Um, so when I switched to something that is very logic based because numbers either add up or they don't, it made all the world of a difference. Like I, I can't put it any plainer than that. It was like night and day, the difference. No, that actually makes a lot of sense. And very interesting, the idea that we are missold the idea of what law is and how it uh, operates. That's uh, yeah, never thought of it like that. So just to take a step back to something you brought up a few minutes ago when you mentioned those interviews from what you're saying, culture is very important to you. The, having the right fit for a job is very important to you. How did you evaluate that in the interviews? And was it just as simple as if they make me feel good, that's good. If they make me feel bad, then I'm not going to take the job. So there were a couple of different elements to it, I guess. Um, I did try and research the companies in advance. I went on their website. I looked. I went to their graduate presentations. I went to their open evenings where they, you know, they talk about the milk grounds and they talk about their application process and they talk about their culture. They bring people who have been in the company maybe one or two years. They bring people who've just been through the process um, that the graduates applying are about to go through and they have them meet them that way. There's also all of the career fairs and things like that. So there is a good opportunity to interact with the companies beforehand, which is nice. So that helped a lot. And then I think you can't underestimate your gut feelings at the same time. So like I knew quite a bit about the different companies going into them. On paper, any one of them looks fabulous on your CV. 
you will get a great career out of any of them. You'll get a great education out of any of them because you'll be doing your accounting training qualification with them for the next three or three and a half years. So for me, I kind of I was like, okay, I know I can work with any of these people. And based on the milk rounds and the the application nights and all that kind of stuff, I kind of felt a friendlier vibe from PwC. Not to say that the other companies aren't perfectly lovely, but I felt that I fit in better with the PwC culture. I got on really well with people. The way they were talking about their culture made sense to me um, in terms of, you know, there is no such thing as a stupid question. It's all about uh, working as a team. Teamwork is huge in PwC. You're always on a team. You have no choice about being on a team. So if you don't like being in a team environment, that's not going to work for you. So it was it was kind of about that in the beginning. And then when I went to the interview, it kind of solidified it for me. And I wouldn't underestimate the value of the interview in terms of things you can't ever get off a piece of paper and things you can't get from the graduate recruitment strategy that they have. Because the graduate recruitment strategy that they have is being driven by HR. You're not going to be working with HR every day. You're going to be working with people in the department who are interviewing you. So it's important that you like them and it's important that you feel like that's going to be a good environment for you to be in it's going to be supportive you're going to learn you're going to enjoy being there so that's what I got from the PwC one um I really liked the people I found them easy to get on with they were genuine they were friendly they were interested they didn't try and uh, pin me down on specific government strategies for the arts I really appreciated that um and they were just I, I could see myself working there I guess do you know what I always use this comparison when we're talking about uh, trying to find kind of a, a career job because I think and I've said this before that finding a career level job is sometimes a little bit like dating because you want to find the right fit and sometimes when I'm talking to graduates who haven't got a job they really wanted not all the time obviously but sometimes they'll say to me you know I'm very upset I didn't get the job and I'll ask them well how you know what how would people in the interview what what would they like and they might say, oh, they, were, they weren't very nice, or they were rude, or they were whatever. And, and my reaction then is always the same. Well, you definitely didn't want that job. Um, because if they were rude to you in an interview, what were they going to be like to you six months down the line? So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, it is like dating. Like It's like if you were on a date, and you were in a restaurant, and this person was horribly rude to the waiter. You'd be like, I'm not seeing this person again. So why would you put up with it when somebody acts that way towards you in an interview? Yeah, exactly. I, I totally agree with you. So so can you I suppose, break down what it is exactly you do now and maybe walk us through your day-to-day work or your week-to-week work, whatever that might look like? Sure. Um, I am lucky. I am a digital accelerator. There are only 20 of us in PwC in Ireland. And it is a program that launched last September. Um, after an application process I came out of our audit practice where I had been a manager I'd been managing audits so I applied for the digital accelerator program because it is all about transformation in the business or transformation in the business through digital through mindset change through strategy through engagement with teams and I was like that sounds like a bit of me like that is something that I really want to do I'm I really like working with people I, as you can hear, like I clearly hate talking. So it, it, it is something that works for me. I, I love talking to people all day long, every, every day. I would do it forever. And 
that plus the fact that I would get to learn about new technology and all that kind of stuff really made it a no-brainer for me. So what we have just actually finished is a nine-month training situation where we have um, split our time between learning about some specific technology tools and methodologies and then also working with our business units. So what we're doing within the business units is we're looking at um, how we do things day to day, how we can improve them, how we can, you know, look at our processes, see what we actually need to change, see whether we can just like scrap entire processes because they've been there for 30 years and they're still there because they've always been there and nobody has ever questioned them all this way along. Maybe they were relevant for 10 of those 30 years, but people just haven't come back and reevaluated them in a while. So day to day, I have an application that I work on, like a, a web based application that's a managed service within my department. I'm the project owner for that. So I would be in charge of making sure that it runs, first of all, that it runs smoothly, that everybody has access to the training and the information and they know every they know where to go if they have questions and then looking at the future plan for it. So expanding it um, developing additional services onto the existing service and all that kind of stuff. So it's uh, it's interesting. It's always different. I like it. What I find really fascinating about your particular career path uh, is, to my ears, the job you're doing now, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like it's got absolutely nothing to do with accounting, at least accounting in the original form of what you kind of went into, you know, to do as, as an accountant. And what I think, you know, very very interesting about that is that you went in to be an accountant and you worked in that area and then there was this opportunity for you to kind of develop and go in a different direction um and it's something that i don't think graduates really appreciate that when you go into you know a path that there are different branches that you can go down it doesn't have to be you know you don't have to stay as an accountant or whatever it is uh, for the whole of your career and that's just a statement more than a question, but I'm just wondering, was there something that made you think while you were, you were doing accounting that actually there are other opportunities here and I'm going to see what I can find? So it's it's kind of a funny one. If you had asked me four years ago, three years ago, in three years time, can you can you see yourself in a technology role within PwC? I'd have been like, lol, you're hilarious. but the way that I got into it was incremental and it was very, very slow at the beginning. And it was just small things like we have an internal transformation initiative and that started like four years ago and that was baby steps at the beginning. So I put my hand up to get involved in that. And then the next thing that was coming along was we were implementing Google and G Suite and I put my hand up to get involved in that as like a Google guide. It's not like I was central in the process. I definitely didn't have any say in any of that. But it was to, you know, be the the point of contact for people on my floor or in my department who had questions about G Suite and how to use it. So I got a bit of extra training in advance of everybody else and I got slightly earlier access. That was it. And then it was kind of going on from there. Like anytime I saw something like that, it was really something that I was interested in. So I just put my hand up for it. And now it's my job. So it's... um. It, it can change really quickly. It just, it depends on, you just have to put your hands up for the things that you are interested in that are like kind of side gigs to your main job. So long obviously as they interest you and they don't take over your life and you're not incredibly stressed and working every hour of the day because that's not the right answer either. It's just about 
making the role your own, I guess. And it is it is about knowing that you don't have to leave the company to change your job. You don't even have to leave your department to change your job. You don't have to leave your desk to change your job. I still have the same desk I had four years ago. And like there is a kind of a traditional accounting career path where you go in, you do your accounting exams, you get your qualification in one of the big four. And the minute your training contract leaves and you leave and you go out there and you work in industry or you go to Australia or you go to Canada. And at the moment, I don't think there's too many people doing that. But there's like that. That's that's the like traditional career progression. It's either that or you stay and they call you a lifer. And it's kind of like, oh, you didn't want to go into industry. You didn't want to get that exposure or whatever. The reason I stayed is because I like the people and I like where I work and you can you can so long as you enjoy what you're doing day to day like the people are the most important thing anybody can do a job do you know i absolutely agree with you um i, th- I think it's, it's really important that you like the people that you work with and if you don't then unfortunately it, it you know you don't have to be best friends with people or anything but i think if you don't get on with them it does make life particularly difficult um in terms of trying to do a job i'm particularly interested to ask you about my next question because usually towards the end of each episode I ask people what kind of advice they have for people who are in you know the situation of trying to figure out what they're going to do next most of the people I've interviewed so far haven't worked with students or graduates however you have as part of not just the role you're in now but previous roles so I'm very very interested to hear what you're going to say in terms of like giving them advice I would say First off, go and find a good career advisor and get them to put you through even a couple of those aptitude tests. I know that they kind of put people through them in transition year or they might put them through them just around the time that you're doing your final exams before college. But like you change so much over the course of a college degree. And if you're not really enjoying the degree or you don't really know where you want to go next or you're not getting that gut feeling that the typical path that everybody else in your degree is taking is the path for you then you cannot go wrong going and talking to a career advisor I mean you don't have to do what they tell you but an extra opinion is always valuable to have especially from somebody whose job it is to talk to people about what they should do the other piece of advice I would have is try and think about what you enjoy doing and it doesn't have to be a big passion it doesn't have to be I'm gonna go and I'm going to create my own series of pop figures and sell them in comic book shops and that's going to be my job like it can be that if that's what you want to do and that's what you're really really passionate about but there is so much to be said for going into a big multinational company early on and messing around in there and finding, you know, going in in their graduate recruitment program, you will get fantastic training. You will get amazing training in your soft skills and networking and relationships. You're going to meet so many people who are going to leave the company and go on and do different things, but they're going to become your network. So you're going to get a great exposure to a great range of different people there. And a graduate recruitment process has the um, added benefit that there's going to be a few other people your age going into a company. Because if you're going into an established company that doesn't have a bigger graduate recruitment process you might end up in a situation where you're walking into a team that have worked together for eight or ten years and all know each other really well and you're the newbie Uh, whereas if there's a few graduates in your company you're going to be in a situation where you have other people who are going through it with you and that is really really nice to have it's very valuable and 
everybody understands that you're starting from the bottom and working your way up an established career path kind of a situation. Last piece of advice I would have is um, when you're doing your applications and your interviews, try and be a little bit targeted. There are people who turn up to interviews sometimes who have applied because their parents told them to or they've applied because they applied to every graduate recruitment process in the county and that is not the way to go about it think about sensibly what you think it would be like to work at the specific company that you are applying to have you done your research have you talked to people on LinkedIn have you looked at the graduate recruitment process do you know what the next couple of years are going to be like because if you don't then it makes the conversation in the interview an awful lot harder because the interviewer is having to explain to you what you will be doing it shows that you haven't gone away and done the research, so you're a lot less likely to get asked back for a second interview or offered the job because you haven't done your research and it shows that you are applying nearly out of a sense of panic um, rather than a genuine interest to see if you're a good fit with the company. Rachel, I'm going to end this uh, interview with a slightly different question because prior to us talking, you and I had a conversation and you know, in your role now and in your previous roles, you've you've had experience kind of managing and interviewing and, and uh, I suppose dealing with students on placements and graduates who are trying to get on uh, graduate schemes and all that kind of on all that kind of thing. What I found really interesting about our conversation is is how easy it was for students on placements or graduates to make mistakes that could potentially kind of I wouldn't say mess up their career, but maybe create a, a first bad impression or maybe cost them a job or an extension to a contract or whatever it is. So I was wondering if you could go through maybe three examples of things that students and graduates do that um, maybe are pet peeves that cause issues um, and potentially could end up costing them, you know, a job um, in, a, in a company just from your experience and what you've had to deal with in the past. So, yeah, three things that maybe people should not do when they start in a job or work placement just three i can limit myself to three so the first one would be people who are serially late and i when i say serially late i don't mean you come in at five past nine every morning what i mean is i had and i can think of one specific example where there was somebody who was on either work placement or summer placement or something similar to that where they arrived nearly an hour late every day, sometimes more than that. And I would have to sit them down every single day and tell them that their work hours were X to Y and they were expected to be there on time. And if they weren't going to be there on time, they needed to let me know if it was that they missed the bus or they broke down in traffic or whatever it was. It's common courtesy to let the person that you are working for know that you will not be there when they expect you to be there. So that would be number one, like, Things happen, we all understand like traffic and buses and everything else, but it is not something that should be happening all the time. And it is something that you should be making your manager aware of. So that's number one. Number two is an unwillingness to ask questions. There is nothing more frustrating than because we are a training firm we don't expect the people who come in the front door to know everything or very much of anything at all, really. What we want is a commitment from you to ask questions and try to learn. And that's it. What really frustrates me is when people come in and sit there and don't understand what they're doing and don't ask any questions. And you will go over to them and you will say, how are you getting on? 
do you have any questions? And they'll go, nope. And I'm like, you've been doing that all day long and it should have taken you an hour. I know you don't understand what you're doing. And it just makes the conversation that much harder. If you ask the questions straight off, we would love to help you. That is what we're there for. So ask questions. There is no such thing as a stupid question. Please don't sit on your hands and um, expect the divine inspiration to come to you and suddenly you will understand how to do the work you were doing. That's not how it works. And then number three, number three, number three would probably be treating the workplace as if you are still in a college environment. And what I mean by that is if you are coming into somewhere with a big graduate um, intake like one of our firms, there is sometimes a tendency to see it as an extension of college. And that's fair. Like everybody's the same age. It's all good crack. Everybody's going on nights out together and all that kind of stuff. Where it becomes, where it crosses the line or becomes a pet peeve for me is where people are coming in really late and really hungover on a Friday or they're not doing their work because like they prefer to hang out with their friends at the tea station or whatever it is. It's understanding that yes, you can have friends in work and you can go on all your nights out and you can enjoy yourself, but you are still a professional who is being paid to be in the office and do their job. So those would be my big three. There is so much in this episode, whether it's Rachel talking about the importance of culture or whether it's about graduate schemes and how to make a good impression. But the thing that I really took from today's interview is how things started changing when she was more open minded, more flexible, more adventurous to all the different types of jobs that are out there. Rachel decided that she was going to go down the law route when she was just a kid and she didn't waver for that for years. She took it as far as she could go until it got to a point where she couldn't take it any further. And that was the point where she decided, right, I've got to do something different. I'm going to see what's out there and, and try different things. The job she has now didn't start with her being headhunted or being put up for a promotion. It started with a little office project where they needed some volunteers. And Rachel decided, you know what? I'll make sense of that. I'm going to give that a go. She put her hand up and now that's her job. And if that doesn't change your perspective on how careers really work and how opportunities can develop from seemingly nothing, well, I'm not sure anything will. I'm Keanu Sullivan. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of Graduate Compass. Remember, if there is a degree subject or specific industry you would like to be featured on any future episodes, then we would love to hear from you and know what you are trying to find out. Our email is info at graduatecompass.ie.